Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Fans, this is the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen, with another winning addition as the Utes come off of a win over the Colorado Buffaloes with the upset, the 21st-ranked Buffs, who were undefeated and are no more as Utah goes over to Boulder and gets a 38-21 win. And that was crazy because going into the week, it was a Friday night game. But then the big rivalry game out of the Big Ten between Ohio State and Michigan got canceled. So that was supposed to be part of the big noon Fox kickoff. And so they actually needed a game. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft, they needed a game to call. So since Utah's game on Friday was supposed to be on FS1, Fox decided to push the game over to Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And that's exactly what they did. But Utah picked up a 38-21 win. It was not pretty at first. It was good to see Utah score a touchdown on their first drive, but then after that, they, they stalled out. And Colorado seemed to be throwing the ball a little bit better and not really running the ball much. Jarek Broussard was held in check for the most part, and but then they allowed a, a punt return for a touchdown by Jerry Rice's kid, Brendan Rice. I think he's really, really good. And then uh, on the very first play in the second half, Colorado had it, and Rice had a 61-yard touchdown. After that, Utah held... Colorado scoreless and then went off to score 28 unanswered points including a couple of touchdowns by Ty Jordan and a touchdown for Britton Covey which was great to see so to just go over the Utah game here are my five standouts from Utah's win over Colorado and I do this every week I mean there's probably not gonna be many more weeks uh because you guys will hear from Kyle Whittingham coming up but uh we're not sure if they're going to be playing in a bowl game if they win this week. Uh, Kyle Whittingham said he's going to leave it up to his players to decide whether or not they participate in a bowl game. All right, first standout, and again, this isn't in any order. It's just the way I put it on paper. But uh, number one, uh, Ty Jordan, 
again, back-to-back 100-yard games. He's averaging over 7 yards per carry this season, having a tremendous year. Had 17 carries for 147 yards and two touchdowns. Um, In that game against Colorado, he averaged 8.6 yards per carry. Now, of what's crazy is he had an 18-yard touchdown run and then a 66-yard touchdown uh, to kind of put the game away. Uh, for the Utes against Colorado. So he has just been absolutely tremendous, and he is a star in the making. Number two, Nephi Sewell, the linebacker. Uh, On the year, he has four turnovers. So if you look at it, Utah's played four games. He's had a turnover in every game, but he had two turnovers in the first game against USC and then had one against Washington and then one against Colorado. Now, Sewell... In the win over Colorado, had 11 tackles, one tackle for loss, one interception, and forced a fumble. He was all over the place and was just tremendous and a huge difference maker in when Utah made their adjustments in the second half. And then coming in at number three, Jake Bentley, quarterback. I think that was his best performance as a Ute, and he's starting to get more comfortable in this system. Um, it's been a little bit different for him getting to know the offense because when he was playing back in in uh, Lexington, South Carolina, and also playing for the Gamecocks. He was playing in different systems. And it was actually mentioned a couple of times on the broadcast with Joel Klatt that Jake Bentley is now looking comfortable. And I believe that. He did throw a pick. I believe he got hit as he threw. But either way, it's still a pick. But he did finish 20 of 32 passing for 240 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran the ball. 11 times for 31 yards, and a couple of those runs were on key third downs, and he was able to pick up the first. Then coming in at number four, Britton Covey, another tremendous performance for him. He had two touchdowns against Oregon State, had one against Colorado, but was all over the place for the Utes in the win over the Buffs. Um, On Saturday in Boulder, he had a career-high nine catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. He also ran the ball once for two yards and also had three punt returns for 44 yards and three kick returns for 88 yards. All in all, Covey racked up 210 all-purpose yards. So I think it's safe to say that Britton Covey's back. And then J.T. Broughton, the cornerback, um, having another big game. I mean, it it didn't show on on the stat sheet. If you were to look at it, he had four tackles, one tackle for loss, and also a fumble recovery. But in that second half, Utah forced... Colorado to turn the ball over on downs a, a couple of times, and he was a big part of Utah shutting down the passing game in that second half where Colorado couldn't get much going throwing the ball like, like they were able to in that first half. And so Broughton has a really bright future. Clark Phillips is another guy who's actually been, been playing really well. Nate Ritchie had a great game, ended up getting his first career sack. So uh, it's looking really bright for that secondary. Now, if you guys like that early kickoff at 10 a.m., you're going to like the next kickoff for Saturday. So the Pac-12 announced the final regular season week. Um, It's kind of the crossover where, you know, the top seeds play against each other from each division for the Pac-12 title, and then number two versus number two, and so on and so forth. Utah finished fourth in the Pac-12 South standings behind the UCLA Bruins, the Colorado Buffaloes, and the USC Trojans. They're going to be playing the number five team in the North Division. And why is that, you ask? Because Oregon State finished fourth in the North. 
And so since the Beavers and Utes already played this year, the Pac-12 decided to match up Utah with Washington State. So they will host the Cougars on Saturday, and that's 11.30 a.m. kickoff, and it'll be on FS1. Now for Washington State, they are 1-2 and two on the year with a win over Oregon State in the season opener, and then they lost to Oregon at home before having their next two games canceled due to COVID-19. And then last week, they lost to USC. They got blown out. I think it was like 38-13. to 13. So the Cougars are coming in a little bit beat up. They were supposed to play Cal in the last week, but just I think it was less than two hours before kickoff, the game was canceled because Cal had one positive test for COVID-19 on game day. All right, I'm going to let you guys hear from head coach Kyle Whittingham at his weekly press conference on Monday morning. Hey, proud of our guys, uh, the way they hung in there on Saturday. Uh, overcame an 11-point second-half deficit, which was good to see. Uh, offense came alive in that second half. Uh, we scored 28 points, and uh, it was enough enough for the victory. And so uh, that was a positive. Defense played well start to finish. Wasn't perfect. Gave up a few things. That first play of the second half was was uh, a big one that we that we uh, let get away from us. But when you look at the uh, defense overall, I believed going into the game the biggest factor and key to winning, uh, other than the turnover margin, was our rush defense taking away their uh, rush offense, and, and that's what we were able to do. We were able to hold, hold them uh, what less than half their average and the back. They had gone for 300 plus the week before, uh, held him to under 100, I believe it was somewhere in the 80s. And so that was the biggest factor, in my opinion, that, uh, and the reason that we were able to, uh, to get the victory. So uh, it's on to uh, Washington State and uh, the spread offense, uh, mobile quarterback, uh, dangerous receivers, really good core receivers, and uh, playing uh, you know, hard on defense. So. So that's a great time to uh, to kick off and and uh, weather. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Deal with whatever we got to deal with. So questions. Kyle, after the game on Saturday, you and Britton Covey were both talking about how kind of worn out the team is, and um, after what you guys have gone through in 2020, if you guys win on Saturday, that makes you guys bowl eligible. Are you guys willing to play in the bowl game if you guys have the opportunity? Good question. That'll be uh, really, in my opinion, up to the players. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that when the time is right. And uh, if they're up for it and want to do it and we you know, have got the, the record we need to have, obviously we've got to win, then, uh, then we'll move forward. And if they uh, feel like enough's enough, then we won't. And so to me, they're going to handle that uh, within themselves. I'm not going to, and I'll back them either way they want to go. Whatever our players choose is uh, is what uh, is what we'll go Devin Lloyd's um, Devin Lloyd this morning was named a finalist for the Buckus Award. Obviously, that's a you know that's a top honor at his position. How how difficult is it to get that type of notoriety when you've only played four games? Yeah, uh, very difficult. And obviously, some of the uh, notoriety he's getting was based on last year's performance because he played very well last season. But uh, he's been a, a just a mainstay for us this year making a bunch of tackles. Him and Nephi Sewell are one and two on the team in tackles. And uh, Devin's been extremely productive last year, carrying into this year. Uh, he's a talent. He's got uh, 
everything you look for in a, in a middle linebacker. He's got six foot three and 235 pounds and runs uh, four, five, something 40. And uh, he's a student of the game. He, he's got a burning desire to be great. And uh, he's putting the time and the work and the effort ever since he got here. And now it's paying off for him. So proud of him and great to see him on that uh, short list of Butkus Award finalists. Uh, wanted to ask you, it seemed like the offensive line was able to get a little bit more push when Braden Daniels entered, uh, entered the game. He, it seemed like uh, Keaton Bills just struggled for whatever reason, but Braden Daniels just inserting him into the offensive line seemed to spark some things. What did you make of his play and, and, and his impact on the game? Well, Braden came in and did a nice job and, and Keaton Bills is a good player and we're not uh, by any means down on Keaton. It was just something that Jim Harding saw and thought would be uh, uh, give us a little boost. We were getting a little bit of uh, penetration on that side. So Braden came in and, and did a nice job. And of course he had, uh, he had a bunch of starts under his belt. So he's not a, he's not new to, to uh, getting extensive playing time. He started pretty much all last year. So him and Keaton are, are two really good players and uh, it'll be a battle this week to see which one gets the nod. But uh you're right. We did have a little bit of a spark when, when Braden went in and, and we're able to uh, get more done in the run game. What's Cam Risen doing at this point to make sure it's not a total waste of time for him? <laughs> well, he's uh, he came off a successful surgery. He's in rehab uh, and getting, uh, you know, doing everything he can uh, with the shoulder and, and getting, you know, getting uh, or going through the normal rehab process. He's finished up his academics this semester and uh, all indications are he had a very good semester uh, with his grades. And so he's, uh, he's a kid that's making the most of, of uh, his time. He's not just sitting around doing nothing. He's got a, a lot of desire and, and uh, wants to get back. And now this can be an extensive rehab time. It's not something that will most likely will not allow him to be uh, participating in spring ball. So he's got a, a long road ahead of him, but uh, he's determined and got the right attitude. And so we expect him to make a full recovery. That's our hope. But who cares what Urban Meyer says, right? Well, I care. He's a good guy. <laughs> I mean, about your hair. <laughs> yeah, some higher comment. We talked about that after the games. <laughs> a lot of reverberation. You said Ty Jordan's blocking. Was that the question? Uh, comment on yeah. that? Yeah, okay. Ty Jordan has gotten better and better at picking up blitzes. And he did a fine job in the game Saturday and, and had some key pickups. Still got a ways to go, but uh, he's worked hard at that. And, and Coach McDonald, his position coach, has done a, a good job schooling him up and getting him uh, tuned into the protections. And he's made he's come a long ways in uh, in the short time that he's been here in that regard. And obviously, you see what he does for us in the run game. He's he's a tremendous player, and so he's uh, got a desire to be a complete back. And a complete back has to pick up pressures. And he's got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And Ty Jordan is, is uh, doing all those things right now. Kyle, coming into the season, you guys had four running backs you guys were using. And now, obviously, with Ty Jordan's emergence. and um, But, you know, it seems like over the last two weeks, you guys have really dwindled that list down to maybe two guys. Is that is that the case where you guys have just seen certain guys emerging into where you're only using two, maybe three running backs? Well, it has pared down uh, Jordan Wilmore had an injury a few weeks back, which has slowed him down. Uh, but Ty Jordan's emergence uh, has really given him the, the, the lion's share of the work the last couple of weeks. And uh, he's 
he's doing a great job establishing over seven yards of carry. And so he's, he's been a big plus for us um, with Kai Bernard is also doing some good things, but uh, you know, we've got four backs, uh, you know, who knows if, if we'll be able to hang on to them all, you know, when, when you have freshmen that rise up and, and uh, do well, upper class, sometimes uh, you know, get the notion that maybe they're, they're not in the plan. So we'll see what has that we're confident in right now. And we'll just see uh, what direction things go. Coach Blake Keithy uh, got his first action of the season and of his career, basically. How, I guess, was that rewarding in any sense to you to see him actually take the field? Very much so. He's had a long, hard road since he's got here with injuries. Uh, he's overcome each one and, and they're major injuries, not, not just uh, nagging little things. It's been a significant injury and he's come back and, and uh, is at a, in a place right now where he's ready to help us. And you saw him get his, you're right, it's his first collegiate uh, snaps and did a good job. He graded out pretty good and, and uh, he's a really good player. When he's, when he's completely healthy, which he's just about there now, he's, uh, he's got a lot of ability and hopefully going forward, he's able to stay healthy and, and continue to contribute. Kyle, the offseason with the transfer portal is generally pretty chaotic anyway. Um, with the one-time transfer exemption likely getting pushed through in January, do you expect the offseason to be even more chaotic now? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, what's, you know, these guys got to be careful to go into the portal because the opportunities are not, you know, there's not a, a, enough scholarships available opportunities to satisfy everyone that goes into the portal. And so you got to be uh, smart and, and uh, think things through. But to answer your question, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, you're going to see much more movement and activity than in years past. But again, the, the portal is going to be saturated and, and uh, we'll just see how it all shakes out. And there you go. That was head coach Kyle Whittingham talking to the media at his weekly press conference. But that was on Monday. And then just hours after Kyle Whittingham addressed the media, he lost two of his running backs to the transfer portal, Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore, both decided to enter their name into the NCAA transfer portal, leaving Utah with two running backs. And on Tuesday, when Kyle Whittingham talked to the media in the morning, uh, I asked him about Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore entering the transfer portal. Yeah, they uh, made the decision that uh, it's best in their best interest to move on. Uh, they were great members of our program while they were here. Uh, both were all in uh, all the time. Uh, excellent work ethic, great teammates, great students. And so we wish them all the best. They were uh, major contributors for us. And uh, but like I said, they determined that that uh, moving on is, is best for them. And so we support that and, and uh, want nothing but success for them. And then to uh, follow up quickly, um, who's going to be your uh, third back now that you're down to two guys who've normally played? Who's going to be your, your third running back? Faisal Aiden is a guy that uh, has been in the program for a couple of years. He does a great job. He's been on the uh, scout team uh, up until now, but uh, he'll be elevated to the travel roster and he will be uh, the third back going into this game this weekend. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the running Utes and how they did last week and looking ahead to what they have coming up this week. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast.
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Crimson Corner Podcast, powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host of Newt's Insider, Trevor Allen. If you guys are looking for an app that gives you all of the latest sports news regarding your favorite teams in the state of Utah, especially the Utes, make sure you guys download the KSL Sports app. Brought to you by University Federal Credit Union. Now, downloading that app, you pull it up, and you guys can get the Crimson Corner Podcast. You guys can get all of the latest Ute content. You got There's even a, a tab below where you can just check out all of the content coming out from the Utes. A lot of the stuff that I post, some of my other colleagues will post as well, including Tom Hackett, a former Utah punter, All-American. So make sure you guys download the KSL Sports app brought to you by University Federal Credit Union. All right, the running Utes suffered their first loss, but going into the week... They had two games. The first one was, was against Idaho State on Tuesday, and they picked up a 75-59 win over Idaho State. And that was a game where Utah struggled. They could not get rebounds, and they couldn't keep Idaho State off of the offensive glass. But they were able to make adjustments and get the win. Now, for the Utes, they had six guys scoring double figures, led by Pella Larson with 14 points. Alfonso Plummer had 13, as did Brandon Carlson. Ryland Jones had 12. Timmy Allen had 11. And, and Mickey Antunin uh, had 10. So that happened on Tuesday. And then they went down to Provo on Saturday. So Saturday became really busy, in case you guys didn't know, with the Utah football game. And then uh, at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, they went down to Provo to play BYU and suffered an 82-64 loss to the Cougars. And that was Utah's first loss of the year. And really what it was, it was a couple of things. BYU's bigs controlled the game, and Utah just could not match up with them size-wise because BYU has a bunch of bigs. And Utah just went scoreless in, in a good portion of the, of the first half, and BYU took off. It wasn't like BYU. I mean, yeah, they ended up shooting 55% from the field and nearly 40% from downtown. But Utah was neck and neck with them from beyond the arc. Both teams made 
nine threes, just Utah shot five more of them. Uh, a big problem was Timmy Allen and Rylan Jones both struggled. Nine points for Allen, seven for Jones, and they combined for 52 points last year when Utah beat BYU up at the Huntsman Center. But Allen was three of 11 from the field and Jones was two of 10. But of what was good to see, Plummer led the way for the Utes with 19 points. But Riley Batten had 14 points off the bench, knocked down two threes and went six of 11 from the field. So that was good to see. Now, if you could put that together with Plummer scoring, Batten scoring, if you can get Brandon Carlson near 10 points per game, and then Rylan Jones and Timmy Allen getting in double figures, this Utah team is going to be really, really good. And Pella Larson only played 11 minutes. Um, he, he struggled. He went 0 for 3 from the field and 0 for 1 from downtown. That was the main problem for Utah as um, Spencer Johnson came off the bench for BYU and had 16 points. Richard Harward, the big man, former UVU, big, had 15 points, 7 rebounds, and was 7 for 7 from the field and 1 for 1 from down or from the foul line. And Connor Harding led the way with 17 points. So Utah will now try and lick their wounds to take on Utah Valley on Tuesday, December 15th at the Huntsman Center. That game will tip off at 5 p.m. And then on Friday, they will host Idaho. The Vandals will come in, and that will be a 7 p.m. tip time on Friday the 18th. And both games will be broadcast on the Pac-12 network. And then the week of, of uh, Christmas, they have one road game, and it's in conference play at Arizona State, who the Sun Devils are really good this year. I think that they're going to be one of the top teams in the Pac-12. That will be a tough one to go down to Tempe and try and get a win o- over the Sun Devils. That'll be a 7 p.m. tip time on the Pac-12 Networks as well. And then they head over to L.A. So Utah will have three straight road games after this Idaho game on Saturday or on Friday. All right. And that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow us on social media. I'm at Trevor A. Sports on Twitter and at Trevor Allen KSL on Instagram. And then also follow us at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.